So we're going to continue this morning uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, so you can turn there. We're going to continue to consider our values as a church, um, being gospel-driven, church-centered, and neighbor-focused. But first... I want to share something with you guys. So does anyone know what this is? Now I made a special trip and I allowed my daughter on the first day of her driver's permit to drive me to go get this for you guys. So I risked my life to get this for you. But this is, these are four pints of McConnell's ice cream, made in Santa Barbara, California. This is peppermint stick, Dutchman, Dutchman's chocolate, vanilla bean, and my favorite, double peanut butter chip. Now I have these here for anyone to enjoy. The only rule is, is you can't take more than one spoon. Don't double dip with your spoon. But you want to enjoy? Come and have some ice cream. Evan says, is it a trick? If you don't want it, don't come. You want ice cream? Come and get it. Melanie wants a split single. <laughs> you guys. Uh. <laughs> All right, Larry, go for it. <laughs> All right, everybody got it that wants it? 
Now, I didn't see some, well, I didn't see you get any, okay? You don't have an allergy or anything, right? To ice cream? No? Oh, your throat hurts. All right, who, who, who else didn't get some? No. Everybody else? Hold on. Where's my son? Where'd he go? Hold on. Come here. So I want you to sit. Actually, we'll, we'll do this up front. I wasn't planning on this, but we'll do this up front. Now, now he chose not to come get ice cream, right? Now, if you were going to eat ice cream, though, would you get the peppermint stick, the chocolate, the vanilla, or the double peanut butter chip? That's my son. He gets the double peanut butter chip. Now, he doesn't want it. He didn't come get it. No, but you got to be still. I'm your dad. No, no. Be still. Be still. Just, just trust me. Trust me. All right. Did, did you see that? I. What? When, I, when it starts to get close to his mouth, what does he do? I, the spoon starts to get close, and what does he do? Right? Do it again. Oh, no. oh look at that. Now, it, oh. Okay. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I promise. Okay. All right? You can go back to your seat. Now, the rest of you guys just came and got it. He needed some help. But as I started to bring it to his mouth, what did his mouth do? It opens, right? And if he wasn't 14, and if he wasn't embarrassed, and if he wasn't trying to be cool, right? If we were at home and I brought the ice cream to him, immediately he'd be like, not just slowly open, but he'd wide open, and he'd grab the carton, right? He'd want the whole thing. I saw this for the first time when I was learning to treat patients, right? In the area of the hospital where they treat babies that are just born, that are sick, and I had to go in as in 20 years old, never of touching a baby in my life, and I was going to test their reflexes. And the thing I remember most was this rooting reflex, where you would take your hand and you would touch their cheek, across their cheek, and what would a baby do? Ah, 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 ah. Right? They're days old, but you rub their cheek, and it's this reflex, it's, it's, it's designed in them to... Ah, ah, ah. A little bit like what Oran did, right, when I put the ice cream next to him. Now, I know this is something that Trent also does when he's at work. That when he's in a meeting, his colleagues, those that work with him, will intentionally put snacks and candy and whatever they can think of in front of them and make bets on how quickly he'll eat it. Because if it's in front of him, he eats it without thinking about it. It's just a reflex that he just naturally does. And actually, Mijo, will you close these up, put them back in the freezer so we don't waste them? But my point is that we are designed, we are created to have this gospel reflex. 
there is something designed in us deep down inside that knows that we are broken that knows that our relationship with God has been broken that knows that our relationship with each other has been broken and we desire we want there's this built within us created within us for that to be restored but what do we do about it? Some of you guys, you popped up out of your seats. He's offering ice cream. I want ice cream. Some of you had to look around and say, well, who else is going to get ice cream? Should I get ice cream? And others like, come on, come on, come on. And then you finally came. And then others just refused. I'm not coming. But even my son, what I tried to demonstrate was, even though he refused, when it comes to him, he has that reflex. Well, it's ice cream. It's on the spoon. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, I want it. We have the same response, the same reflex to the gospel. 1 Peter 2, verse 2. It says, like newborn babies crave, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. This pure spiritual milk in the context of this passage, it's the gospel. And, and, the, and the author is telling us, Peter is telling us, you need to long for this. You need to yearn for this. As the gospel comes close, you should be doing what? I, 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 I want more. I want more. And it's so that, as you look at the passage, so that y'all, so that we can be nourished and developed according to how we've been designed. We've been designed with this need for the gospel. We have a reflex to, to want it, to experience it. And if we receive it, then we're going to be developed and grow according to God's design. And it says, like a, not just like a baby, but like a newborn baby, an infant, days old. Now, We've had a few experiences lately with infants that are days old in our family, in our body. What happens when the infant does not get what the infant wants? When the infant is not given the milk it desires? You're not giving me what I want. I'm laying there. I need to be fed. Ah, ah, ah. They cry. They cry. When they don't get what they internally know that they need. They have a reflex for it. They begin to cry. Do we long for the gospel that way? When you don't experience, you don't come to the grace of the gospel, when you don't repeatedly do that, do you get to a place where you cry, where you're upset, where you know, I need this, I need this, I need this. Or have you learned, have we learned just to control that? We've developed beyond that. I want you to think about that as I play the sound. It's awful, right? Okay. That's all I can handle. <laughs> Do we respond like that? That's what it says. That's what it says. That we're supposed to be like these newborn babies that crave the spiritual milk. 
But yeah, we go days, we go weeks, we go time, day after day after day, and we don't experience, we don't receive the gospel. We, we're not considering, we're not thinking about it, we're not living it out. And we don't respond that way. We're not desperate for it. As you continue in verse 3, it says, Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So you need this gospel to grow up in your salvation, to be developed. And now that you've tasted that it's good. And this tasted is not knowing about it, right? Not, not having knowledge of the gospel, not being able to explain the gospel, but actually tasting, experiencing the gospel. And if we've tasted it, we're going to want more. Those of you that came up here first were those of you who knew what McConnell's ice cream was. This wasn't just ice cream. This was McConnell's ice cream. And as Bonnie says, you have my favorite flavor, peppermint stick. You're not going to let that melt during the service, are you? I don't care if this is a trick. I'm coming up to get it. Because she has experienced it. She doesn't just know about it. She didn't read the label. It's not described to her. She can't explain how it was made. But she has tasted it. And that's where we have to be with the gospel. It's great to know. It's great to explain. It's great to describe it. But have we experienced it? Have we experienced that grace? Have we tasted that grace? And if we have experienced it, if we have tasted then we, like newborn babies, would want more. So the other day, after going to the airport, Dropping off Nidia to be able to pick up Annalise, me taking the boys with Oran and going to have lunch and coming back and the craziness of the airport. We're on our way home. It's been hours now that we've been gone. It's exhausting. But I know that McConnell's in Studio City has a special that day. And you can go to McConnell's and on that day a serving of ice cream was 25 cents. They had pricing like it was 1955. That was the promotion. Let's go. Let's drive to Studio City to go get McConnell's ice cream for 25 cents. Let's take all the kids and then we drive up and what is there? A huge line. Out the door, down the sidewalk, multiple buildings down, and is there any shade? No. It's 2 o'clock, the sun is beating down, all these kids are with us, Nita's like, I'll drop you off, but I'm not going. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm like, are we going to do this? Is this worth the sacrifice? Is this worth going through all of that to get a taste of this ice cream? I thought about my experience and I said absolutely so we get out of the van she drops us all off my kids are like get me something I'm like you're not getting anything unless you get out of the van unless you stand in the line with me through the line waiting in the sun to get inside to go through the line to get your ice cream you don't go with me you don't get it so we did that 
And I'm managing Trey and Adar and Annalise and Oran and Karina. We're all there and trying to keep people out of the street and on the sidewalk as we wait in the sun to get into McConnell's to have this ice cream that I know is amazing. And so I want to show you a picture right after we got the ice cream. It's hard to see. But you see my son, 14, trying to be cool. He's not going to smile. Okay? You guys, you guys witnessed that this morning. That's normal. That's natural. Okay? That's part of his development. But I know inside he's pretty excited. Okay? Karina is like, I'll show it. I'm excited. I'm happy. I've got my ice cream. Thank you, Poppy. You love me so much. It was worth the wait. Annalise, she's excited. And she's going to show it. I'm nine. This is ice cream. It's McConnell's. I'm fired up. But look at Trey and Adar. Now I know they had never had McConnell's ice cream in their lives. But we get there and what do they do when you start to choose? They give you a little taste, right? And they have a few tastes. And then they got this ice cream cone full of ice cream. And I come over to the side and I'm like, let's get a picture, let's get a picture. And what can't I do? I, I can't get them to quit eating the ice cream to stop to take a picture. They're like, I'm not going to smile. I'm enjoying this ice cream. I'm not going to put it down. I'm getting this experience that I've never had. It's too good to stop for you, puppy. I'm sorry, but take the picture while I eat the ice cream. Right? It was so good. I, I'm not, I can't put that down to do something else. Now, I can tell you guys about McConnell's. But now almost all of you have experienced it. So the question is, would you go with me? With that same opportunity, drive to Studio City, stand in line, as the sun beats down, to get that taste, that little taste of heaven. And it was basically free, right? 25 cents. I got all these kids ice cream. It was $1.50. No tax. Just $1.50. It's like grace. It's free. And that's basically free. I just have to pursue it. We just have to come here and we receive this and, and we get this. And, and I had this taste. And so I went back and now I'm pretty sure Trey and Adar, if I said, do you want to go back to McConnell's, what would they say? Yes, let's go. Now, do we crave Jesus that way? If you are following him, if you've come to that point, then you've had a taste. You've had a taste. You've experienced that grace. Are you willing to come to him? And continue to come to him. Because you've already experienced it. You know what it's like. Think about that. Think about what it was like when you first tasted, when you first experienced the grace of the gospel. When you realized, I am broken, I am hopeless, I am helpless, but God. But Jesus has come and He has lived and He has died for me. And He has taken my place, the punishment that I deserve. I, I do not earn it. I cannot deserve it. And yet He went in my place and He lived for me and He died for me and He gave Himself for me. And I get to now experience that and walk in that and know that. Not just know about it, but to experience it. 
What was that like? The first time. And is it still worth anything for you to continue to experience it? Are you still motivated to experience that? Are you still motivated to come to His Word, to spend time with Him, to, to spend time with His family? Uh, so that you can know Him and experience Him and be engaged with Him. Not just know about Him, but, but taste it again and again and again and again. Or you're like, I'll had my taste. I'm going to diet now and be on a fast until heaven. Like, that's silly. If you've had McConnell's and it's offered again, why wouldn't you taste it? We've been given the gospel. We've tasted it. We've experienced it. We don't have to wait to heaven. We get to continue and continue and continue. We'll have it in its fullness in heaven, but we get to continue to experience it now. And yet we've put it to the side. I had it once. I'm good. How silly is that? We're like my son. No, no. No, I don't want it. I'm not going to act like a newborn baby again. Craving it and desiring it and crying for it. I'm good. I'm good. I'll wait. We have to come to Him. And as you come to Him, verse 4, as we come to Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to Him. Right? It's explaining it right there. As you come to Him, and you continue to come to Him, and you continue to experience Him, and you continue to come to Him, and you continue to experience Him. As we are gospel driven. That's what it means. We continue and we continue and we continue to draw near to Him. As we are gospel driven, then God will build us together. Look at verse 5. So as we come to this living stone, Jesus, then you also, that's us, we're like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. We come to Him, we're built together as the church, as a spiritual house. The Greek there is oikos. It literally means an extended family. Okay, You're being built into a household, a family that lives together, that shares life together, that is connected together. A family that is related and a family that's unrelated. A family that's single and a family that's married. A family that is old, a family that is young, a family that speaks Spanish, a family that speaks English, a family that is of low socioeconomic status and a family that is of high socioeconomic status. A family that is documented, a family that is undocumented. But a family. Living together and following Jesus together because together we share the same inheritance. We're part of the same family. And so He brings us together and makes this family. He's building us up as a family. And as we come to Him, right, as we come back to the Gospel and back to the Gospel, as we're Gospel-driven, He's building us into this family and it says that we're going to develop and grow. Right? You look back at verse uh, 2 and we're, we're growing up together. 
creciendo juntos. But instead, entonces, en lugar, I think we're malnourished. No we have a gospel malnourishment because we don't come back to it and back to it and back to it. And if we don't come back to it as a church, it will result in developmental delays. As we grow up, as we develop, there's going to be things that don't work according to our design. We're going to fall behind. And more than just developmental delays, like in extreme cases, for us as the body, as he builds us up, if we don't come back to the gospel, there's going to be deformities, right? We're not going to grow correctly. We'll be abnormal. There'll be deformities in our body because we're not coming back to the gospel. When Kafri, my foster son, first moved in our house, he was 13 months old. He had developmental delays. And his little body was malformed. His head was ginormous compared to his body. His bones were literally bending where the pressure of crawling and his bones were so weak that his bones would spread out. They would bend. His, his leg bones were curved. His head was abnormally shaped and just huge. And we went to all these specialists. They, they're trying to, de to decide, like, so is this a genetic disorder? Is there something that's wrong? And after going to specialist after specialist after specialist at UCLA, they're like, his issue is he was malnourished. He wasn't given the nourishment that he needed. And as a result, he was delayed developmentally and he had deformities. But then they would say, but this is the good news. He's in this place of developmental growth where if you give him appropriate nutrition, his bones, his body will actually remodel and grow back into, develop into how they are supposed to look, how they are supposed to be, the shape that they were intended to take. And so we started buying and stuffing him with as many packs of organic vegetables as we could and fruits again and again and again and again and again not a day went by not a day went by not a meal went by we're given this we're given this we're given this we're given this somebody in my house was crazy about this and we've watched over almost a year and a half his little body change his little body transform his little body literally remodel and go back into the shape in which it was designed to be because he's in this period this growth period where that's possible that's our situation as a church we are in a growth 
period. We are being developed. We are growing up, right? And even if we have neglected, if we are malnourished, we have the opportunity to come back to the gospel to receive that nourishment again and again and again that we need to be able to develop and we actually can remodel and demonstrate and look like and proclaim Jesus accurately as his body. Not developmentally delayed, not with mouth with uh, deformities, right? But accurately, beautifully, as this household, as this family that represents Jesus Christ. Like it's not too late. We are in this period and so all we need to do is be driven by the gospel and go back to the gospel and God will build us up and He'll form us as He created us, as He desires us, if we get the appropriate nutrition. The spiritual milk that we desperately need. We're living, living, living stones. We can change. We can grow. We can develop from the nourishment of the gospel. And as God had a purpose for Jesus, the living stone, and He used Him for His glory, He now has a purpose for us as living stones and he will use us for his glory so we're driven by the gospel God brings us together but for what purpose the end of verse 5 it says to be to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ ofreciendo sacrificios espirituales agradables a Dios. God's brought us together to be a priesthood. Dios nos ha unido para ser not a bunch of not a bunch of individual priests. No, but priesthood. Priests that are together, connected together, serving together. A priesthood, okay? But what does a priesthood do? Y qué es lo que hace? We spent years in Hebrews, so I hope we know, right, that a, he, a priest intervenes on behalf of God for humanity and on behalf of humanity for God. A priest goes between God and humanity, right, as seeking to make that relationship right between God and others. That's what a priest does. And so our function together is to reconcile these relationships between God and humanity, between God and others. That's our purpose. We were brought together to be a holy priesthood. But how? How do we operate as a holy priesthood? How do we reconcile these relationships? What do we do together? Look in the passage. It says, to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. We're brought together to make sacrifices together. And what type of sacrifices? It says, acceptable sacrifices. And at that time, and at this time, an acceptable sacrifice to God required life. It required blood. It required a life to be given. 
and it is no different now than it was then. It's still an acceptable sacrifice to God requires life. Luke 9, verse 23. Jesus said to them all, those who were following him, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Taking up your cross means to sacrifice yourself. I'm going to walk to my own death and bring the instrument that's going to kill me. Daily, again and again, make that sacrifice. We, our lives, are the sacrifice. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, okay? This is after he's come and he's made the once and for all sacrifice, right? But now he's telling his disciples, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to follow me, pick up your cross, sacrifice, die to yourself daily. But who are we sacrificing for? If we're this priesthood, on behalf of God and humanity, who are we sacrificing for? It's for our neighbor. God, if we're gospel-driven, has brought us together as a church, is building us up so that we are a holy priesthood who makes sacrifices on behalf of our neighbors, on behalf of the world, so that this relationship might be made right. That we would be, that they would be reconciled. That's the purpose of living stones because that was the purpose of the living stone. And you're like, but you already mentioned this and hasn't Jesus already done this? Why do I have to do it again? And I would tell you that it says that we're to offer these spiritual sacrifices. Like, isn't that the gospel? Uh, Jesus came, he lived, he died, he, he lived amongst us, he loved us, he gave his life for us. Wasn't that his ministry of reconciliation? Yes. And it's the ministry of reconciliation that he's given to us. We share that ministry if we follow him. He laid down, or he did not lay down his life for the church. When Jesus came, he didn't lay down his life for the church. He made a sacrifice acceptable to God for us who were outside his family. None of us were in his family, right? He came, we were outside the family. He sacrificed for us, his neighbor, those outside, so that we could be in the family. That was the sacrifice that was acceptable to God that He made on behalf of the world, on behalf of those who were outside and did not belong. So that our relationship with God could be restored. And if we are neighbor-focused, then we're sacrificing our lives and loving our neighbors outside the church with the hope that they will be reconciled to God and become a part of our spiritual family. We're giving of our lives. We're making that sacrifice for those outside.
Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He sacrificed for us. Are we willing to do that? That's the value of living stones. That we would be neighbor focused. And that's what it means to be neighbor focused, is we're willing to go to the gospel again and again and be built up together so that we can sacrifice, that we can give our lives for our neighbors, loving on them, living with them, sharing with them, so that they would know God's love and potentially become a part of this spiritual family. For us, for the Fullers, for this recent season, part of our neighbor focus has been through fostering. But as we have sacrificed for these kids and loving these kids, it's not something that, that we, the Fullers, have done on our own. Uh, y'all have joined us. Right? We weren't these individual priests sacrificing and loving on them. Y'all have joined us as a priesthood, and many of you have sacrificed in many different ways, loving them and serving them and caring for us as we cared for them, as we all love them and sacrifice for them as a holy priesthood. I knew that in my mind, right? And I'd experienced that some and had these moments in the last year and a half as, as, as I've seen that and watched that and experienced that myself and seen the priesthood sacrificing and loving these kids. But on Monday, we found out that the boys were going to go home on Monday. And we tell them, and they want to know who they're going to get to say goodbye to. And there was kid after kid lined up in my living room going through and hugging them and telling them they love them, knowing that we're probably not going to see you again. Kid after kid and adults that would come over. We only had like two hours. It was a transition that was so fast. But I got to see that and watch that. And I realized like, this is not just about me and Nidia and even our four kids and how we've loved these kids. This is about how we have loved these kids. And then I'm thinking, and then they were with their previous foster mom, Joanna, who is a believer and is still involved. And she has loved them. She's a part of this priesthood that has cared for them and loved them and sacrificed on their behalf and brought them into her home and they, we brought them into our home and we've treated them like family in hopes that they might know God and one day be a part of our spiritual family. We've done that together. But choosing that 
and continuing and continuing and continuing and continuing to sacrifice for these kids to love them to care for them to treat them like family has been as difficult and as painful as anything that I've ever done in my life anything that we've ever done together nothing compares I don't know how many times that we have been by myself together in whatever situation over and over again we can't do this anymore we can't go we can't do tomorrow we can't go any further this has got to stop but through that it's brought us closer and closer to Jesus because there's no way for us to continue and continue and continue if we wouldn't continue to experience him we were hopeless we were helpless we had nowhere else to go no one could change the situation it was the only place we had to go and so we would come back to Jesus back to the gospel and as we would do that we'd experience him and I was listening to a song this week and it talks about carrying your cross to follow me you have to carry your cross it talks about struggling up this hill carrying your cross and it talks about them being there and being ready to make this sacrifice right to give your life as he's given his life for you and in the song it talks about but I looked and I saw the nail there against my palm and I'm about to sacrifice my life I'm about to give my life and all of a sudden how fear enters in and I run I, I want to escape I, I've made this is a bad decision I've made the wrong choice what am I doing giving my life like this why would I choose to do this and then in the song he says I look and there beside me was the Christ being crucified and he looks at me and he catches my gaze and he says and I realize that he was forsaken so I wouldn't be and the last two lines say and finally I understood it was not my power but his with a promise I surrendered and I welcomed death we can sacrifice we can give our lives when we come back to him and we see that he has sacrificed and he has given his life for us and he'll give us strength to continue she needs the gospel thank you for the illustration
I desperately want us to see this. To see how these values are connected to be gospel driven makes us church centered so that we can be neighbor focused and how those all connect and those all move together as we follow Jesus Christ. And as you know, and I want you to be aware that being a part of this church means we are going to seek to be gospel driven so we can be church centered so that we are neighbor focused and sacrifice and give of ourselves for our neighbors. Demonstrating and proclaiming the love of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the living stone. And that's the purpose for us as living stones. Let me pray. Father God, I pray that we would embrace this gospel reflex that you have placed inside of us, that we have a desire, a natural desire, need for you. God, help us to get over ourselves. Help us to be humble and to come to you as infants crying and in need and desperate and helpless. We need you. We need that pure spiritual milk. We need the gospel to continue. We need the gospel to develop and to be the church that you desire, to be your family, to represent you. And God, I pray that we would continue to come to you and you would give us courage and desire even to sacrifice our lives. To give of ourselves, to love our neighbors, to serve them, to live with them. Demonstrating and proclaiming your love with the hope that they might be a part of your family. God, help us to do that. Help us to come to you and experience you. That we would taste you and know that you are good. That we would continue to come back and back and back and back. God, we confess our need for you. Please fill us. Please grow us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.